Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we have made our way through our season preview series. Would encourage anybody that hasn't listened to that to go back and give it a listen. And uh, tonight we jump headfirst into our game previews. Going to look at the Georgia Tech game that is on the horizon. Three thirty kickoff on Saturday, Doak Campbell Stadium. It'll be a new experience for everybody in the sense that we'll be seeing college football that has fans, and most importantly, we'll be seeing college football of any kind. Uh, but it'll be a a different experience with uh, with what just the you know post COVID or, or I guess during COVID uh, game like experience is and man I'm excited you know it's been a hell of an off season and it'll be a little bit different but I am uh, real excited to see this coaching staff put together a team lead a roster out onto the field and Saturday afternoon should be a decent amount of fun it's gonna be a lot of fun man I'm I'm really looking forward to this and spread right now sitting at about uh, twelve depending on where you look, uh, over-under of 52 and a half. Uh, if you listen to me on the Barton and Bud show, I did say grab the under 55 back when it was out there. So that has moved a little bit uh, in the direction that I think both you and I may think this game will go. Uh, Georgia Tech is Florida State's closest geographic rival in the ACC. Uh, and you, you, know, you wish you could play them <laughs> a little more often, but unfortunately, due to the way the divisions are drawn up, uh, they, they only play once every couple of years. So, so kind of cool to get to play the Yellow Jackets this year. I was actually watching some ACC Network the other night, and we had uh, Charlie Ward, I believe it's the 1992 game, uh, up there where they have that epic comeback in, in the fourth quarter after really struggling to start the second half, come back to win and uh, recover the onside kick. I think it's, is it Corey Sawyer who, who gets the, uh, the onside kick there in that 92 game in, in Atlanta? I believe it's Sawyer. It changes, uh, certainly changes the career direction of Charlie Ward. You can make an argument that it is as uh, kind of transformative, both for Florida State and in general, some offensive philosophy uh, when it comes to football. And uh, yeah, it's a big moment in time. And I know Atlanta, and I take it personally, trust me, I know Atlanta has not been kind to Florida State recently. Uh, but if you're going to have the Atlanta jinx discussion, you need to at least sprinkle in uh, the 92 talks there. Absolutely. So, uh, honestly, like they've had some really good games in in the history of, of this series. Uh, we, we had a fairly tight game w- w- with Georgia Tech in that was it twenty? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was the 2014 uh, ACC title game, right? Or yeah, because the 2013 game was against was the Duke game. Yep. Like the, you've had that one. You had a tremendous back and forth, and I believe it was 0809, 08 up there, uh, where you actually had I think a little Devontae Richardson even. Up on a trick play, if I recall, with Christian Ponder uh, and Jermaine Thomas running all over those guys. Pretty pretty wild game there on that one. And then you also had uh, the, the wild back-and-forth game in 2009 in Tallahassee uh, w- against Georgia Tech in which uh, you had the rain delay in the middle of it, and Georgia Tech essentially just never punted in the game, and uh, they never really had to adjust. And that was kind of a sad moment in, in FSU's history. But I got to think that both teams will, will kind of be pulling out all the stops that they can possibly put in in, in, this, in this short offseason for this game. Georgia Tech is a team that heavily recruits the state of Florida. Jeff Collins, your, their second-year head coach, coming off a, a very disappointing but entirely expected 3-9 and nine, uh, season in year one there, which is really kind of a year zero situation for them uh, in, in Atlanta. Switching from that option attack uh, to, uh, to a, a you know, kind of more like pro-style spread option, spread scheme 
all this stuff kind of runs together now. But but basically, what they're running is not uh, is not the flexbone uh, spread option triple. Uh, but it would mean a lot for Georgia Tech certainly. And Mike Norvell, while we can say he's not really under any pressure to get this win uh, and 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 to to get started hot in Tallahassee because he's going to have a really long leash. Uh, given the support the administration seems to have in him and also the finances that it would require for them not to support him. I, I definitely think that starting off here with a win would be, would, would be pretty, pretty beneficial for Mike Norvell and definitely something that he wants to get done. So both teams really looking to, looking to get this win. And, and you got to imagine they'll be pulling out all the stops that they can. Uh, speaking of stops, man, I, I think we should probably lead off there and talk about the defense. Uh, tonight's defensive preview is brought to you by Shannon Young. Shannon Young, he's the guy I went to for my home loan. He's the guy I went to for my refi. Almost 80 Cast listeners have done the same. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. If you're a longtime listener, you know how much we trust Shannon. If you're a new listener, and look, almost 80 loans through the Cast loan program in the state of Florida, a little bit in Georgia as well. 844-FSU-LOAN and why don't you lead us off here? Uh, for the Georgia Tech's offense in 2019 was basically as bad as no loans is good. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I, you uh, you caught you caught me with a hook there. I wouldn't I wasn't expecting you to bring that back around. Uh, no, man, it, it's it is wild to go back and look at their 2019 offense and see and and to an extent fully expected. Uh, you know when you when you go into that flexbone <clears throat> program and you fully buy in. You know, there's always in the back of your mind, whether it be your athletic director, your boosters, whoever, that when this project ends, uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of linemen. We're going to have some some skill players that just don't fit all, in all likelihood in what the next coach wants to do. And that was true. But I mean, this is one thing that jumped out at me. But I, I have, I don't remember seeing this. So I, I, I want to ask you about it. I don't remember seeing a team, even some of the academy teams, but certainly a non-academy team. Georgia Tech's leading wide receiver last year caught 21 balls. The next highest was 18 and 16. So your third leading receiver caught 16 catches. Certainly there's a lot, a lot of questions on this roster, as there is for Florida State's, but I'm not sure there's a bigger question as to where the production is going to come uh, from anywhere on the field when you, when you look at Georgia Tech than it is their wide receiver position. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. So I, I had a discussion with somebody the other day, and I was like, okay, what, what are the examples of somebody switching from a, a – like an old school triple attack to a more modern offense. And the two in the power five that come up most often, at least in kind of recent memory uh, was early nineties Vanderbilt. And I forgot the guy's name who they, who was there. And I forgot the guy's name who replaced the guy who was there because I was seven years old in, in 1992. And I really don't recall, but uh, the, he went, I think, uh, Oh, and 10 both years and then was fired. Uh, and, at the time, maybe we didn't understand just how big of a transition that was going to be and, and how much uh, how much patience would be required in order for that to work. At Nebraska, we had, gosh, I almost said Tom Osborne, uh, but uh, no, the, the guy who's the coach at Ohio now, Frank Solich, right? So they, they, they you, you, had, uh, you had Peterson come in as the athletic director, I believe, from Pitt. Nebraska was a longtime option powerhouse. And Nebraska... They weren't even like pure option. They ran the option, but they also ran a lot of other different run concepts and they had big linemen. It wasn't like they were just trying to cut block you all the time. So that's not even a perfect apples to apples comparison, but it's about the closest one I can think. So Bill Callahan comes in there, I believe from the Oakland Raiders, I think on Gruden's staff and, and tries to install 
an incredibly complex West Coast style passing offense. And, you know, Ingram, you might have, have known this. Uh, it didn't work very well for a team that had been running <laughs> the option and, and a lot of different run concepts for quite a while and, and not throwing the ball very well. The, the same thing kind of applied last year for Georgia Tech. Uh, like you said, their, their stats were just kind of eye popping and, yeah, 21 catches, by the way, on 54 targets. So that, that, that's a catch rate of 39%. That's not going to look great. Their number two receiver as far as targets was Malachi Carter, uh, 45, 45 targets, 16 catches. And that's a 36% catch rate. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, on a yards per target scale, Brown, their number one guy, wasn't terrible, like 7.3 per target. It's not good, but it's not like the worst in the world. Carter, only 5.3 yards per target, but their yards per catch were obviously pretty big. Uh, last year, their, their passing game, they were just trying to make the best they could, but really, I mean, they had a bunch of guys who had been recruited essentially to play in a triple option offense, and they were they were kind of used to just throwing off, off hard play action and, and taking deep shots because that was essentially the type of passing that Georgia Tech uh, would do. And that it, it definitely showed up in the numbers. Their touchdown to interception ratio last year uh, was 13 to 10. Not, not the best overall for, for them. Oh, God, just, just looking at this. Yeah, they're, they're passing SP Plus last year, 105th. Uh, passing success rate, 129th. Marginal efficiency, not surprisingly here, 129th. Completion percentage, dead last in the nation at 46%. Uh, adjusted yards per attempt net uh, 122nd. So yeah, look, man, realistically, their offense was going to suck last year in exactly the way that it did. Their run game actually wasn't that bad. The issue was everybody knew they couldn't pass, and so they loaded up against the run, and so it definitely limited the effectiveness of the run. Uh, if you're Florida State, your main goal will be to take away the run in this game. And if you're Georgia Tech, I think the, the thing is going to be that you have to prove that you can counter that and actually uh, take advantage of some of those passing looks that you'll probably get from Florida State, especially on early downs, and to see if, if you can actually make some plays on those. And I'm interested to see what they do at quarterback. Tech has been doing this. Uh, you want to explain this? You live up there. This is just kind of, it, it's silly. But you, you want to talk about above the line? Yeah, real quickly. So above the line is one just easy manipulation of a guy that loves to, uh, and, and he has to. You have to sell Atlanta. You have to buy into your strength. But at times, you know, as somebody who <laughs> who uh, is not unashamedly reps Atlanta pretty hard sometimes, uh, all the 404s, everything starts to get obnoxious. But uh, whatever. Above the line is basically his idea as to the guys that they feel comfortable playing. Uh, so they will just group all position groups together, put the names on there. And at the same time, um, when talking to people at Georgia Tech and, and looking back at last year, uh, there's kids that weren't li- listed on that ATL chart and they still traveled and they still played. So it's not a full, you know, it's not a full inclination as to really who they feel comfortable with at all. Collins is kind of like a, he's just real centric, you know? I mean, he's a guy that if he wins, people appreciate it. And if he doesn't, he gets called a clown. And it'll be interesting to see how the overall project goes. But the above the line thing is just kind of one of the uh, uniquenesses that that goes around with him. And while he's at Georgia Tech, it's going to be referred to as ATL. They have four quarterbacks that I play. 
really? Like, like, like we, we don't have a better feel for who this is going to be. I, any idea on who actually is going to be the QB? And, and are, are we actually scared of any of these guys? Yeah. So the latest chatter here in Atlanta is that it's going to be Sims. <clears throat> we'll see. Sims is obviously a prospect that the vast majority of this fan base will will be aware of. Jeff Sims. Jeff yeah. Sims, the previous Florida State commitment. Uh, Gleason is another kid out of Florida. That's, I believe, is at a plant high school. That's kind of the kid who the OC identified early on, went out, made you know the real target, kind of the kid that they, in their mind, wanted to build the offense around, and then Sims kind of fell into their lap. But I, if I had to guess anybody, it would be Sims. But again, I mean, this is this is Collins, and it's also a first year, first game, not a first year, but first game of an odd year. It wouldn't shock me if three different quarterbacks didn't take snaps at some point in the game. That makes some sense. So I, I've actually seen Gleason. I, I, I've seen Sims, and I'm sure everybody probably saw plenty of Graham last year if they watched uh, that that Georgia Tech offense, which was largely offensive at times. You know, with with Sims, he definitely is a developmental guy who need who needs honestly development, which is kind of an obvious statement when I call him a developmental guy. But good, good frame, good arm. Also a pretty athletic guy. Not like the crazy twitchy athletic. He's more of a strider, I, w- I would say, in the open field. Uh, Gleason is sort of a, a bigger arm dude who is also a, a big guy. I mean, what, shoot, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, how big he actually is. I'm, I'm going to look this up real fast to see what uh, what Georgia Tech lists him as size-wise. Yeah, 6'3", 225 for, uh, for, for Tucker Gleason. Another Florida kid. He, he played for Plant. Obviously, a dude who could run for plant as well. Um, I, if, if those are the options, I really am not sure that Florida State is going to be all that scared uh, by the Georgia Tech passing game. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I, I, I don't think that they have tremendous threats at receiver. While I think Gleason or Sims could turn out to be pretty damn good quarterbacks down the line, uh, I'm not really sure that they will play above the line in this game. So I I snuck that in there. However, all three will probably very much factor into the run game because Georgia Tech runs its quarterback a whole lot. Uh, Last year, freshman quarterback James Graham, 82 rushes for 410 yards. Tobias Oliver, 51 rushes for 293 yards. Look, guys, I'm sure some of that was out of necessity last year because they really didn't have other options. Uh, But when, when you factor in Gates and Johnson, as well into the mix. I mean, you're looking at uh, about 150 designed quarterback rushes last year. Like that's not including sacks for, I mean, almost 900 yards from, from the QB position. So the quarterback run is absolutely a really important factor here. And it's going to be interesting to see how Florida State decides to play uh, some, some of the, some of the veer, some of the read option stuff. Do, do they, do they want to get the ball? In the hands of the quarterback, and 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 then chase him down. Do they want to force the give uh, on on some of those plays where, where the back goes inside, and the quarterback goes outside? You know, it it may be it like it may make sense for you to actually force give and make them run the ball right into the teeth of you know, Cooper Wilson and, and Leonard Warner, right? Uh, if I'm Florida State, I probably take my chances with that. But at the same time, if Georgia Tech wants to wants to do a whole lot of those type plays with a true freshman quarterback. A whole lot of RPO or a whole lot of read option type stuff. If I'm Florida State's defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller, I'm probably saying, bring it on, man. Like, I, I want to make you make tough decisions repeatedly in this game. That's, yeah, that's, that's still kind of the fundamental aspect of, of what they try to do on offense. They just try to manipulate the hell out of your linebackers, or at least they have 
uh, historically. And, and it looks different. It's not from the, you know, it's not from what Johnson was doing, but when you look at what they're really doing, they're just trying to make your linebackers more times than not, uh, you know, flare wide with perceived responsibilities and then try to either lead or follow underneath. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Obviously look guys, there's not one way you're going to play this because I mean, just, as with any kind of play, if the opposition figures out exactly how you're trying to play it, then they will, they'll run it slightly differently to take advantage of that. I do think that Florida State should have the speed to be able to hang with Georgia Tech here on, on the exterior run plays. Uh, and I think that one of the major advantages in this game, and we'll talk about this just a second here, is, is I do believe Florida State should be able to consistently reestablish the line of scrimmage with its defensive line against Georgia Tech's offensive line uh, which could make life very difficult for Georgia Tech's offense. And a large part of that is because uh, I don't think Georgia Tech's offensive line is going to be good. I don't think this is something you're going to fix in just one year's time, going from the triple option to uh, a more you know kind of spread option, pro-style uh, type attack. Their line this year, it, if you just go left to right, it kind of starts out, okay, not bad. You know, Zach Quinney, Ryan Johnson, the, the transfer they got from Tennessee, uh, I mean, or, or Zach DeFore, depending on who's going to play left and right. But then the rest of the positions, man, they're, they're kind of, I don't see up in the air, but they definitely have some question marks. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the Johnson piece is nice that they were able to get from Tennessee. I know the coaches, uh, we're excited by that. And also, you know, that maybe it hadn't been a perfect fit uh, so far. So it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. Right tackles, almost certainly going to be a true freshman in Jordan Williams, kid out of Gainesville here in the metro Atlanta area. We talked about him on the Nolcast, by the way. I, I actually liked him. Um, mm-hmm. He was like a little bit raw, but I, I thought he was, you know, a, a solid guy that the old staff w- was was thinking about offering. But as a true freshman, Especially if he's lined up against Kendo, that that's potentially problematic. Uh, and then, likely center is is Mikey Minahan, who I believe was a former guard that they've moved inside. So, I think that the Georgia Tech coaches have concerns with with pretty much anybody that DeFore is not blocking, and then situationally, uh, you know how Johnson lines up and and fills out. I get it. I mean, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see. And the the right side of the guard or the right side of the line is going to be. Uh, totally new for them. So, uh, you know, uh, good luck to them and certainly going to be challenged. I know that, uh, you know, Wilson and DeFore should be a good matchup. Uh, Cooper is somebody that uh, that Georgia Tech coaches appear to be concerned with. And um, I mean, hey, that didn't, it's not a big surprise. Uh, it's a big physical kid who can uh, at times just reset the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it, they really can't simulate Wilson and Cooper in practice. So I'm, I'm fairly certain of that. Also, you got to remember, uh, Georgia Tech went out and used one of its scholarships on uh, Vandy offensive tackle transfer Cochran. And uh, then Cochran, he got there and then he opted out uh, during all the COVID stuff. So uh, much like we've discussed with Florida State's tight end position, where, where Florida State felt the need to go ahead and burn a, a, an initial counter uh, number and scholarship on a tight end, like Georgia Tech felt that they needed to go bring in another offensive tackle, uh, got one from Vanderbilt, and then he's opted out. So. I'm pretty sure that starting Jordan Williams uh, at right tackle was not their first choice, given that they did go out and, and get the transfer there. As far as like a just, hey, let, we're excited to watch some good football matchup. 
DeFore was all conference last year. They're, they're, they're guard. And so when he plays Williams or when he plays Cooper, that's going to be pretty interesting to see. I'm, I'm actually excited to watch that interior matchup for sure. So we talk about all the things Georgia Tech's offense probably won't do very well. We're not thinking that their receivers are, are much of a threat. I mean, some of these guys have some speed, but they're not really polished and uh, they're just, they're not really all, all that effective. And it's hard to imagine them gaining that much effectiveness in just one year. Uh, but I will say that this backfield, that their running backs are some of the better running backs in the conference, man. Like the, I would put this, this backfield up against, like they'll have the best backfield in this game. Oh, I, I think undoubtedly. I, I really do. Um, Jamar Gibbs is, I mean, this is a kid that you talked about at a, at a Dalton last year, ended up being one of the better running back prospects in the country. Uh, and Griffin and Mason, they, they think exceptionally high, highly of, and, and Smith, Dante Smith is kind of the fourth name in the, in the group here. Uh, they have, they have really good backs and they've got a pretty above average to good, uh, secondary. But yeah, no, they're, they're running backs are, you got to give it to them, particularly with the with the addition of uh, Jamar Gibbs. It's a really, really impressive unit. Gibbs is, man, he's just electric quickness. His acceleration is is kind of like Dalvinish, and I I don't use that term lightly. And I'm not saying he has Dalvin Cook's talent, but he is he's special to watch. Man, he is really, really good. That was a, a huge recruiting win for for Coach Collins to keep him. So. I'm certainly expecting them to, to use him on, on some, some plays in, in this game, obviously handoffs, but they'll probably also try to throw in the ball. Uh, I, I'm interested to see if he, he's involved in their return game because he's kind of the one game-changing ath- athlete that they really have. I mean, Mason's a good back, obviously, um, but Gibbs is really a guy who, if, if he's ready, game one could, could be a game-changer you know, for them. Uh, that's pretty much the Georgia Tech offense. I feel like we should probably cover just some some extra keys here. We already talked about how you're going to play, kind of the the read option, the the, the veer stuff. You know, basically anything where, where QB's making a choice. I I do think that because you're not that concerned with with the Georgia Tech passing game, uh, and and because you do kind of feel that you have a matchup that favors you, probably at both cornerback spots with with Jones and Samuel against whoever the hell Georgia Tech wants to throw out there, probably Camp and, and Ezard. I think you should be able to to keep an eye on, on the QB run stuff and still keep a deep safety. So you, you should be able to play some games with your backers and, and with, with your, you know, your, your, your basically your, your buck safety, if you will. Got to make sure I'm using these new terms right. Uh, to, to confuse, to clog the middle of the field, uh, to spy if, if, you, if you need to. Um, I don't think this is a game that you'll have to blitz a whole lot. Uh, Georgia Tech last year, they they actually almost never got sacked on standard downs. This is kind of one of the crazy stats, and, and we we, un, we unearthed a lot of stats here on this show, Ingram. But check this out, man. Tell me if you remember a team having a split this big. So sack rate allowed on standard downs, 10th in the country. Sack rate allowed on passing downs, 125th in the nation. 10th to 125th. This is like, this is typo type type level stuff we're, we're talking about here. And the takeaway, if, if you guys don't speak sack rate, which I don't blame you, it's a pretty nerdy thing, is that when Georgia Tech, when they had the, the 
potential to present the look of a run run play, which was on standard downs. When the defense actually had to respect run, they were pretty good at not getting sacked. Graham was able to scramble out or Oliver was able to scramble out if he needed to. They, they played a lot of quick game or play action stuff. They, they very rarely allowed pressure on those situations. Once the possibility of a run play was no longer realistic, they couldn't pass trick at all. 125th in the nation. I mean, like one out of every seven passes they threw or pass plays they threw ended in a sack. So if you get these guys, you know, to a, a deep, like third and six plus, you're going to have a lot of success because this is not an area where I feel like Georgia Tech is going to be able to take major strides this year. Um, that's going to be a real key. I also think, while I say that, I, I don't think you want to blitz and sell out to stop the, to stop the run like that. I think you want to kind of let your front eat if it can because I really feel that the thing Georgia Tech probably does the worst is pass and especially consistently pass, accurately pass, right? move the football, move the chains, picking up first downs with the pass game. And they actually, last year, they were 129th in efficiency of the pass game, 129th in success rate, but 31st in passing explosiveness, which speaks to kind of a a relic of a team that used to be a triple option football team, which would pass essentially just explosively and hardly do anything else as far as the pass game goes. So with with that said, I, I really believe that like not allowing explosive plays in this game is going to be a real key for the defense because I, I just do not believe that Georgia Tech is going to be able to go on sustained drives. And so this may not be the game to be just absolutely insanely aggressive. There probably will be some on this schedule. We do expect more aggressiveness from this defense than we ha- when we saw last year. But in this one, Using last year's sort of more passive approach, not the disorganized elements of last year's defense, certainly, but the more passive approach might make a little more sense, actually, just because like the, the explosive play could really kill you here. Uh, whereas I just, do you really think Georgia Tech's going to be able to drive the field more than once or twice? I, I kind of doubt it. It would certainly be hard to see it, uh, how that, how that comes to fruition at this point in time. Uh, so, uh, we will move to the offensive side of tonight's preview. Tonight's offensive preview is brought to you by Congruity. Uh, Congruity is the idea of experiencing your business optimized. Everybody has payroll. It's an issue that everybody has to deal with. Congruity helps you in the form of payroll and tax administration are no longer simple tasks. Congruity assumes these responsibilities and utilizes the industry's latest technology platform to optimize the payroll process for your company. Uh, congruity, good people. Matt Lewis is somebody we're really excited to work with, encourage you to speak with him, get a fit for how they can help your business. If they can help your business, you can reach Matt at Knowles at congruityhr.com or by phone at 844-247-4100. All right. So uh, this is what Jeff Collins is known for, defense. He was a good DC at Florida. Uh, he was at Mississippi State where he did a good job. He went to Temple and, and did a fine job for the Owls. Also an aggressive recruiter. Um, he's going to base out of a four-two-five defense. They'll play a decent mixture of man and, and, and zone. Uh, they'll try to play a lot of games that confuse you with their safeties. And the 
the, like the real strength of this team is going to be up for, not, excuse me, not up front. Lord, not up front. Uh, the, the, the real strength of this team is going to be in that defensive backfield. Uh, just a little behind the scenes here. When Ingram and I were putting together tonight's show notes, he had a bunch of stuff. And what, why don't you just lead us off there with, with what you know about their secondary? Cause cl- clearly that's, that's really, really good secondary. Yeah, so they think, uh, you know, they think really highly of their secondary. They think that their corners are good and they think that their safeties are great. And to an extent, you know, I, I agree with that. I think Lanier Thomas is probably, probably the best player on their team. And I, I don't say this like he's a carbon copy, just as you said with Dalvin. I'll, I'll put the filter on this. He's got a little bit of a poor man's Reggie Nelson feel to him. I mean, he's a good player. He'll come over the top. He'll hit you. Uh, if, if you guys are remember the Florida secondary safety from maybe 10, 15 years ago that uh, was, was such a good player and patrolled center field so well. Uh, but yeah, no, their safeties are really good. Their corners are above average to good. And it's very much kind of what this defense is built around. Yeah, man. I'm interested to see the different types of things they, they do to try to confuse James Blackman uh, and a Florida State offense that is you know, installed for the first time, uh, because they, they probably feel pretty good about their matchups on the outside. They'll be able to play a lot of different types of games with their three safety looks. And, and this is one of the better secondaries in the ACC. I, I think this will be one of the better defenses in the ACC, actually. And, and last year, it was the strength of the team, uh, by far. Um, they were, they were much better on defense than they were on offense, uh, to, to use Connolly's number 71st, uh, compared to 117th. So. You know, obviously, take that with a uh, with a grain of salt. But ultimately, all those games they want to play with their safeties, that they won't matter that much if Florida State is able to run the football. And last year, Georgia Tech had a real problem stopping the run game with its defense, in large part because they they lacked personnel up front. They were aggressive. They they had they had to be aggressive, but at the same time, sometimes it just didn't matter. Teams were able to push them around. A, a pretty good bit. Uh, and I have some interesting stats to back this up. Uh, in addition to the fact that I think we talked about this last offseason, even though we were not playing Georgia Tech, I think they had a player pass away last offseason and they had some other key injuries up front. They were very young and, and, and lacked bulk, but the power success rate allowed. So essentially the, the, the short yardage success. And they had a kid sign with them who never made it to campus, not to interrupt you, but yeah, that's, that's what happened. They were 130th in power success rate last year. They allowed conversions 91% of the time in, in short yardage situations against the run. That's like dead last in the country by a mile. And I think that speaks to a lack of bulk up front. Now, this year, that has been remedied some. Uh, they feel better about uh, Damon Brooks, if I'm saying that right, D-I-J-M-O-N, uh, and then uh, T.K. Chimedza, who... I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right because I talked to this kid at IMG a couple times and, and he's a decent player uh, for them. So they should be a little bit better than they were last year on the defensive interior. Still not sure how good they'll be uh, on, on the edges of the defense, which I don't mean like corner, but I mean like defensive end, outside linebacker, which is an area that they really struggled with last year as well. And Florida State under Mike Morvell is going to run a heck of a lot of outside zone concepts just like he ran at Memphis. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how well they're able to reset the edge, resetting the edge, resetting the line of scrimmage and, and, and doing so is something I feel confident Florida State's defensive ability to do, especially Josh Kando against Georgia Tech. Will Georgia Tech 
with their defensive line be able to do the same thing against Florida State? If Florida State is able to actually get some kind of surge and movement with its offensive line, and I say if because it is certainly an if, uh, then I think you can expect a decent amount of success from Florida State's offense here. Uh, to counter that, I have to think Georgia Tech probably sells out to stop the run game because they know that teams gash them with the run last year. In fact, Georgia Tech last year, their run defense last year, here, here's some eye-popping numbers. Clemson ran for 411. Citadel's an option team, so whatever, not, not going to mention them. Temple, which was not a good offense, ran for 195. UNC, 211. Duke, 197. Miami, 157. Uh, Pitt, 158. Pitt couldn't run at all last year, so that's actually a decent number by Pitt. UVA, 155. Again, UVA really couldn't run. Vatek, 238. NC State, 230. And Georgia, 219. Um, so really not, not the best <laughs> run defense last year. If FSU is able to, to, you know, run the football a little bit better, in this game than it did last year. Uh, they, they should have some decent success on offense, and we'll see if they can actually pop some explosive runs too. And if they're able to run the football a little bit using some of those, those, those attacks, then maybe they can also hit some play-action stuff. I, I do think that Georgia Tech will be selling out to stop the run, uh, and, and their gamble is going to essentially be that they can do so and still stop the pass, and we'll have to see if they can. Uh, one thing I will say that, that Georgia Tech likes to do is they like to walk their backers up, right? They they, they like to, to you know, sugar the a gaps. They like to try and confuse your 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 blocking assignments. They like to try to confuse your your protection schemes. And honestly, they're pretty damn good at it. Jeff Collins is a good defensive coordinator. Now, some of the stuff he does, we might think is kind of you know whatever, but he's pretty good at this. Uh, he's pretty good at it. gave gave Miami all kinds of trouble doing exactly what you're talking about. Uh, their linebackers are are flat average, if that. Uh, David Curry is a guy that. Class of 2015, still, I think, had a year of eligibility left going into this year. So if he takes his COVID exemption, I mean, you could literally see that guy playing football at Georgia Tech for seven years. Not particularly great, but on the field, I think, for 80% of their snaps last year, which you'll probably see change some, but uh, just a guy that is kind of solid and I would struggle to say a whole lot more about him. Uh, but they do they do a, a very good job of manipulating what you're trying to do and, and confusing you with some of the gaps that they make you uh, cover. And it's a uh, it's a it's a good defense. And Collins, exactly what you said, you know, he'll write you're a baller 39 times in a row and send it to a kid on the recruiting trail. But dude, dude knows how to coach defense, and you can tell when when you watch uh, how George Tech lines up and some of the things they do to manipulate the opposing side. Yeah, so uh, now there is a downside to this. If you want to walk your backers up and, and, and kind of sugar those gaps as much as they do, your guys have got to be able to move. And at times, Georgia Tech kind of didn't have the speed to get to the sideline. If, you, if, if you're going to walk up like that, it reduces your, your pursuit angles. And you better be damn good at that. At times, they got caught up and they were unable to get to the outside because I don't think that some of the backers they have are, are the, the most athletic guys in the country, although I think they feel better about them this year with Quez Jackson and, and obviously David Curry, who made almost every single one of their tackles last year, it seemed like. But that could be a potential area in which Florida State is able to pop a big run against Tech uh, if, they can get, if they can get the edge on these guys and, and, and some of those dudes get caught up in the wash. Uh, if I have a concern for this game, and I have a couple, uh, one of them is that Florida State's pass protection schemes get blown up. They get confused. You get free runners at Blackman uh, because they, they are confusing the offensive line. 
And that can lead to turnovers. Obviously, we know turnovers have a random element, but they're not 100% random. And so if you're getting a lot of pressure on Blackman uh, due to being confused, maybe not due to Georgia Tech having to bring a lot of players, that means they can cover with more guys and that could lead to interceptions or turnovers. So certainly a concern I have there. Um, I want to make sure that Florida State can actually throw effectively in the middle of the field. That's probably going to come, you know, via some RPO game, but you know, we're not super confident that Florida State has a great tight end to threaten the field in, in the middle, and we'll have to see what, what they get out of the slot position. Uh, but that that's kind of the main worry I, I have there. I, I do think that if Florida State can hold up in protection, while I have respect for Georgia Tech's secondary, I don't think it's like the best secondary they're, they're going to face this year, or even in the top three or, or maybe top four. Um, and I think Florida State has a lot of talent, a, a pretty decent amount of talent outside at receiver. Again, a more conservative approach, much like we discussed on the defensive side, might also be for the best here on the offensive side. I, if I'm Florida State, I probably am, am very uh, attempting to stick with the run game to the extent that I can. Uh, I do think because we really have reason to believe that Georgia Tech cannot go on sustained drives against this FSU defense, that you want to make them play on on a long field. So avoiding turnovers is going to be very key in this game. That probably sounds stupid. If this is the first time you listen to a Nolcast preview, trust me, like we don't say avoiding turnovers is key every week. That, that like it's it's obvious, but you know, because like we pick up new listeners all the time, but you get what I'm saying here. Like if you give Georgia Tech a short field, it is perhaps extra punitive in a perhaps low scoring environment, like I think we're probably both about to pick, uh, than it would be in a game where, you know, it's a high scoring environment, right? Um, probably won't see any surprise onside kicks in this game unless somebody's down a whole bunch. And in that case, it's, it's not really a surprise. So avoiding turnovers, punting the ball effectively when you have to, uh, and, and playing maybe a little more conservatively than, than you'd want to as an offensive coach in your opening game. I think that's that. That might be the prudent strategy here, man. I, I certainly think so. And uh, you do, you do. You know, look, I don't need to laud praise to you, but you do a great job of uh, <laughs> of of broadcasting both to people that have listened to eight years and people who might have listened to you know the last five minutes. That would have been the first five. So good that you pointed that out. And yes, no, don't expect us to uh, talk to you about avoiding turnovers as the key to winning games and have any kind of pride in our voice for uh, for many times over. So with that, you want to jump into predictions? Yeah, let, let's uh, let, let's go ahead and, and knock some, uh, some predictions out here. Some predictions brought to you by our good friends at Madison Social. Hell of a year for you, hell of a year for us, a real hell of a year for them, uh, whether it be that you're going to Tallahassee this weekend or you can support them from afar. Uh, the great people who've made the NOLCast possible since day one and uh, do so much to add to the general experience of being a Florida State athletic supporter. Bud, uh, I'll let you lead us off. Kind of what is your idea as to uh, as to how this happens 3.30 on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, man. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see this. Uh, I First of all, I am thinking about, about a, a lower scoring game here. I, I think that Florida State should be able to achieve probably a uh, like, like a 20 20- you know, maybe a twenty, maybe a twenty-five percent yards per play edge uh, in in the ball game. So that's you know that's something that I'm I'm looking for. You know, maybe if you can put Georgia Tech there down to like I don't know four point like four point five or something like that yards per play allowed. 
and maybe 5.4 in favor. That's, that's a decent margin. You know, maybe four and a half, five and a half. It's a full yards per play split over the course of 70 plays. That's, you know, it's like 70 yards advantage, uh, maybe 80, maybe a hundred. Maybe I'm a little bit low in this. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I'm just a little bit skeptical of what this offense is going to be able to do. And a lot of it is because I, I don't have a great way of judging how, how improved Georgia Tech's run game or run defense is going to be. If Florida State can run the ball, then I'm going to be off in my prediction here some. But if, if Florida State can run the ball, it's going to be a fairly easy game to watch also. So I, I'm going to go, uh, four and a half, five and a half as far as my yards per play uh, predictions. You want to jump into the score? I'll lead us off or, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, let's let's go it. Let's go ahead and uh, and and and, uh, and you, you can lead us off here. I've spent the last day laughing at myself that I thought that that I said that this team would average twenty nine points uh, a game in conference. And uh, you know, sometimes we we say things that we we have to end up clowning ourselves on. And uh, with where I'm going tonight, that'll be even more of a gaff. I think Florida State wins this game something like twenty one to twelve. I mean, I think this is a low-scoring game, and that's kind of where I have it. I think Florida State's defense uh, is what we think it is, particularly the defensive line. I think Georgia Tech struggles. I think at times Florida State struggles, and uh, this is not a beauty, but I think Florida State wins uh, with three touchdowns. Do you think this will be more or less sloppy than that Miami versus Florida game uh, last Labor Day? Man, it's got the potential, particularly if Sims is starting for Georgia Tech. You got a true freshman at right tackle. You got a true freshman quarterback. Uh, Gibbs is electric as hell, but he's still a true freshman. I mean, you th- I think we have, uh, you know, we have the option of seeing balls on the ground, of seeing guys just doing things that does not pair with what the other ten people on the field are doing whatsoever. I think this has a chance to be a, a bit of an ugly game. Yeah, yeah, I I do as well. Uh, my official prediction is going to be. Uh, Florida State 23, Georgia Tech 14. Uh, I don't particularly like Florida State's red zone uh, execution in this game. I, I think that could maybe be a problem. Uh, and I Georgia Tech is apparently still auditioning like five or six field goal kickers. So I don't expect them to kick a lot of field goals. They're probably going to go for it on fourth down a decent bit. So I'll, I'll go 23-14. Uh, both of us are kind of around the spread, and both of us think this game is going to be well well under the total by several scores, uh, which I, I think is is perhaps actionable advice uh, that you guys can use, especially because it might be raining a little bit uh, in, in the ballgame come Saturday, uh, but we'll have to see on that. Yeah, man, this is going to be interesting. I will note, by the way, I wrote this on 24-7, Vegas, only within a touchdown of the spread on three of nine games this weekend in either direction and only within a touchdown of the over-under on two of nine games over the weekend. So they really have no idea what the hell they're doing at this point. Uh, and I don't either. Like, like it's been hard to get intel out of other teams. It's A lot of these teams will tell you, hey, we don't look very good. But it's like, compared to what, man? We haven't had a real offseason. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we haven't had a... a if you had to install a new scheme, you didn't have a spring to do it. And you didn't have a summer of guys repping and running your scheme in their pass skeleton stuff, which is probably, and, and then, you know, running your new, new coverages in, in the seven on seven when they're covering that pass skelly. So I, I'm excited to watch this thing. I just really have no idea what's going to happen as far as that goes. I, I just, I do think that the, the over under 55 was way too high and I would still play anything. I'd still play under anything that's 50 or higher. 
You got any like fun predictions for this? Like something wild? I think Travis J records a, a 20 yard plus play of some kind. That's my random prediction. Ooh. So punt return, kick return, whatever. Specific package, something like that. Yeah. I like it, man. There you go. All right. I'm going to say, well, I was going to say a walk on catches the tight end pass because, because the number two and number three tight ends are, are, are both walk ons. I think we're going to have at least two sacks by backup defensive lineman. Is that bold enough? Yeah, I, I think so. I'd, I'd love to know where that where that comes from too. That'll be fun to watch. So you know, maybe McClendon or Lovett or uh, Quayshawn Fuller or or you know one of those dudes. But I I think Florida State's depth on the defensive line could show up in this game. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm Ray that could be a guy that gives us a name. There you go. I think he's got some pass rush ability. He's got some pass rush. Moved him onto the inside. He might get matched up with uh, with with that center. I could see something like that happening. So, hey man, look, we're sitting here. <laughs> we're sitting here on the ninth day of September, talking about actionable football items that are about to occur in less than forty eight hours. So for that, hell, you know what? Yeah, and uh, enjoyed it as always. If you get a chance to. Support us on social media if you can leave us a five-star review, whatever it is you can, to uh, just to be reflective of the Nullcast. If you enjoy it, it's really appreciated. And, uh, Bud, we've made it through an off-season. Football is here. I guess you and I can chat about the instant reaction and everything else as we get closer to the weekend. And, hey, here's to it. Cheers, and let's enjoy Saturday. No doubt, buddy. Talk to you soon. This has been the Nullcast. The Nullcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.